Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Penn State basketball plays tonight, so Nate Bauer, senior editor of Blue White Illustrated, coming on to give us a preview of the game. Coming up in a little bit, but of course, King Football has some news to talk about. So, Nate, how you doing today? How you feeling? I'm great. How are you? I mean, it's like the dog days of February, so my excitement is tempered a little bit, but all things considered... Good. How are you? I, I'm good. I always want to get your temperature so I know how yeah. much, how many buttons I can push while we're on air. Uh, push them all. It's good. Yeah, to, let's go. Let's let. That's uh, good. All right. I'm not going to get into any deep psychological conversations about the meaning of of uh, somebody's words from six months ago. So we're not going there. But we okay. are going to talk about words from six months ago, or at least three months ago, when it comes to James Franklin and the news coming up in a little bit. And by the way, I'm super jacked up because I I don't know. I got caffeine. I didn't sleep last night. Something just triggered my my other side that kicks in. So I'm ready to go today. So let's talk about Dan Connor and the other two guys that got to Penn State as analysts for Penn State football. Uh, all of the people that were telling you and I, hire Dan Connor, hire Paul Puzlesny, hire LeVar Arrington, make them the defensive coordinator right now. They got one step closer to their master plan coming true. Give us the information that came out last night from Penn State football. Yeah, so um, to be honest with you, and I think that this is, uh, I, I hate to go promotional right off the bat, but it was a member on our premium message board who made a post. And, uh, you know, sometimes these guys are just as plugged in as we are. And he said, hey, Penn State has three new analysts that have kind of joined the program, one of them being Dan Connor, who, you know, let's be honest, like, uh in the pantheon of Penn State linebackers, he he probably doesn't even get the credit that he deserves. Like this is this is a guy who is highly highly accomplished. Was a two time All American linebacker at Penn State. Went yeah. on to have a lengthy productive career in the NFL. Um, you know he he's legit. And so yeah. he was uh, one of State the last great old school linebackers before they were replaced by the hybrid safeties in the NFL. He was yeah. just your super consistent guy in the box that he operated next to Luke Keekley for a little bit, but was a great linebacker for the, for the uh, Panthers during that time. Yeah. But well, and, and, you know, if you go back in Penn state history, he's also coming from, um, you know, a, a place where he was playing alongside Paul Puzlesny, right? I mean, there, yep. there was just that string of, of, highly successful, highly productive linebackers at Penn State where it was kind of, um, you know, uh, along the lines of of the way James Franklin talks now in terms of uh, senior, sophomore, freshman, right? Like you yep. just, you, you cycle your way through the program. I mean, it was, it was a much more, uh, it was much more traditional cycle back then. Yep. But yeah, he was, a, he was a huge part of it. 
consistent yeah, to consistent. Yep. something you could you could as he said I would never say that the roster is set you had a much yeah. firmer grasp on what you had coming back each year uh back in the mid 2000s when you had uh guys like Puz Lesney, Dan Connor and all the way down to you know Sean Lee and then uh Mike Hall even I think was kind of felt like the end of those guys and that process for Penn State yeah, no, well, you know, and like I, I think that one of the iconic things that I think of Dan Connor is like the the rolled neck shoulder pads. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like he was he was that it was just he's, he's a throwback in every way, and so yeah, now he's now he has joined James Franklin's staff as as an analyst and in an analyst role. And uh, the the roles are yet to be determined from what we've seen and what we've been digging up on what's going on with the other guys. But give us the all three names and uh, some background information outside of Dan Connor on the other people that are also adding as analysts. And, and then we'll get into maybe what their roles and their key elements that they bring to the table might be and why they're analysts for Penn State. Yes. So uh, the two others, the two other names are Rick Leister who his connection to Penn State right now is Manny Diaz. He was part of Diaz's staff at Miami. Um, he's a guy, I think that he will serve as a defensive analyst. Um, you know, he he has kind of a lengthy career jumping around. He's been on a few different staffs um, in, in type, uh, that analyst type of role. He's also been, um, he played his college football at Lafayette. He was an assistant strength and conditioning coach at Lafayette. He joined Monmouth staff as a defensive assistant, um, spent a few years at Georgia Tech, and finally was at Army. Um, and then the other guy. Professional assistant, it sounds Professional like. assistant. Yeah. You know, that's a thing. Like that, yeah. we'll, we'll get to this, but that's the deal is, is, is the business itself is growing yeah. in coaching. Um, and then the third guy is Gabe Infante, who uh, is coming to Penn State from Temple. But his kind of the deal with him is that he was a longtime head coach at St. Joe's Prep in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's certainly the the more connections and the more relationships and the more right people you know. Yeah. That's kind of how things work in recruiting and otherwise. Uh, so adding him to the staff as well as I believe an offensive assistant or yeah. analyst, I should say, yeah. um, is, is fills out that third role. So and I think it's important, too, and we, we'll get right into that as far as how you are viewing the state of Pennsylvania when it comes to recruiting, where. James Franklin has mentioned there are not as many people. The population of this state is leaving, and I think that's a really fair thing, but they're not all leaving in the same places. They're not leaving in the same way. So in Philadelphia, where there is a higher concentration of population, which then spits out more athletes because that's how statistics work, you're going to have more opportunities there than you would in you know, not to pick on anybody, but Altoona or Warren County, Pennsylvania or Erie, you know, right. you know, back up into the Erie prep schools. There aren't going to be as many players coming out of there, even Pittsburgh to a certain degree. But Philadelphia still seems to be a hotbed of talent for basketball, football uh, and just, you know, sports in general. So having guys that have connections there seems to be a priority even within the, the substructure of the state. Yeah, no, 100 percent. And, um, you know, I. I don't think that th- these should be looked at as hires 
specifically for recruiting, right? Like that's not, right. that's not the intent. The intent is to bring on to the staff quality eyes. Yeah. Like that's it is people to watch film, to self scout, to scout opponents, to do all of these little things that are harder and harder to do from the vantage point of a traditional, right? One of the 10 assistant coaches that college football um, allots. And yeah. so I, th I, th I think that Penn State has already been moving in this direction, but this is, this is a, this is a big deal in, in the sense of like, these, these aren't replacements. These are created positions uh, to bring in new analysts to the staff. Yeah, that's that's a big thing. And that's going back to when I teased we're going to be talking about somebody's comments from months ago. This is what James Franklin was talking about uh, back when we were discussing his uh, contract and all yeah. of the we're now getting to the it's all of it. The things that he wasn't really saying publicly, these yep. breadcrumbs, these things that are coming out right now are a part of this. These are all the factors and facets that other schools have and other staffs are, are acquiring, but Penn State is yet to get into. And when you get to these analysts, offense, defense, doesn't matter. They're doing a bunch of things. They're not just doing one thing. And I, you know, I just bring up with Gabe Infante, that specific sub thing he'll be doing likely is providing connections into the Philadelphia and, and St. John's school, as you pointed out as a former coach, but he's also going to be probably working with the portal, probably working with film, watching the uh, analysts, analyzing Penn State practices and games and things like that. It's when we say professional assistant, these are the things that they're doing. I mean, like yep. it seems right. Yeah. It, well, and, and uh, honestly, I pulled up a quote. James Franklin was just talking about it last Wednesday as part of, he always does this where he will drop in something that, is going to happen without saying that it's going to happen. Um, and this this feels like one of those moments. I'm going to quote him here. Uh, he said, I think a lot of these changes that we've made uh, have made the argument for staffs to get bigger rather than smaller. There's just too many things that are going on at the same time, taking care of your current roster, recruiting high school student athletes, looking at the transfer portal and the possibility of getting some transfers from other universities and schools. There's some programs that have a complete recruiting department for high school athletes and then have a separate recruiting department strictly for the transfer portal. They're hiring former pro player personnel people from the NFL and creating a whole department for the transfer portal. Um, and so that is more along the lines of the recruiting side of things, which these guys are not. These guys f seem to me to be filling the X's and O's side, right? Right. Like, helping in that department, but it, it, it all matters. It, it's, it's, um, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I tend to think that at Penn state there, there has been an insulation in terms of awareness of what else is happening out there. Mm -hmm. And this is it. This is what's happening out there is staff size, uh, growing and ballooning and adding more and more people, uh, to do all of these these little different things, they might seem insignificant, but they're not. They're 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 big deals um, when it comes to helping your team prepare and operate as a program, and just have the information available at hand to give to the decision makers. And 
and not to compare myself in any way to these people, but the reason you haven't had a Jevin Williams film room yet is because I was working on something about Jesse Lucchetta this weekend, and it takes a while watching film. Like, it takes time. Even yep. if you have so even if you have an assistant to the assistant cutting up the, the, the tape, and you have somebody that is yep. presenting it all to you and is like, I want to see all the run snaps for this defensive end. Okay, well, that's 30 minutes of film. Then you go on to the next thing about that player, and then you go on to the next player, and it's just it's a time-consumptive job, and having more people to do it that you trust and give you accurate information to then build reports and make decisions on these players, like that's why staff sizes are ballooning because you have more avenues to get players, which means you need more ways to get eyes on film and get information. Yeah, and and uh, 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 something that I wanted to add from yesterday that was out there is Penn State football also posted a job for, again, quote, director of football research and strategy, as well as analytics coordinator. Like, <laughs> and this is where it's going, right? Yep. I mean, it's, yep. this is in-house this analyst. Is, in-house analysts, in-house analysts. And and it's not that Penn State has gone without them. Um, Ken Wisenhunt, actually former pro NFL coach, was an analyst for Penn State this past season, last yeah. year. Yeah, but so like, so so let's 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 differentiate here quickly. Analyst and analytics are different. different so yes. an analyst two. analyzes analytics, use data to then form analysis. So they, yes. they are, they, it can be a little tricky, but Ken Wisenhunt as a former uh, coach was an X's and analyst. O's guy, a former analyst. They're looking Correct. for a data analytics person to, to make sense of all the information that's accrued either internally or given to them externally and help strategize what to take from it, what not to take from it, how to implement this stuff on a regular basis. What's the smart stuff in the smart stuff? Yeah. And, and, you know, look like, I mean, this is, this is very superficial, but it, it almost, it, the example of the high school coach in Arkansas who decided that he wasn't going to punt ever, right? Every fourth down was going to go for it. That's a thing that is, is seen kind of on a national scale because it's so right. Like, splashy for yeah. lack of a better word yep but it's dramatic it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that you can be looking as a program for the things that aren't written in papers and aren't in uh at an afca coaches convention right yeah. in terms of hey the, the, these are these are what the, james franklin says it all the time he talks about what the quote unquote the analytics people say mm -hmm. but what the analytics people say is available to everyone. And yeah. so if you hire somebody in-house that's your guy, you're expecting them to be able to produce some insights specific to the teams that you're playing and yep. specific to the team that you are that can help you with your decision-making in those those certain circumstances. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think one of the things he brought up this year was the actual best reasonable... Um, counter argument to the whole punting thing that you just mentioned of you've got a good defense and a good punter the analytics say that if they start within the 10 yard line likely they're not going to score and you know you can go back and forth about all of those things and you want to get points but 
you can't always make that particular decision for a number of reasons. And I, I thought his his reasoned explanation of punting more this year was analytically sound and having that insight to not just go with what is now the wisdom of the crowd in the analytics crowd gives you an advantage and I thought helped keep Penn State in games despite their relative aggressiveness I think in in the scope of things James Franklin is still a, an aggressive coach but knowing how to implement that more tactfully and in a better tactical way is what we're talking about yeah and and, and it it also goes back to the point of these decisions being made long before the game starts. Uh, you're not, you're not, yes, there are choices that have to be made, certainly from a play caller's perspective, but in terms of James Franklin and the head coach and decisions in terms of going for it, not going for it, punting field goals, what have you, you want to be prepared. And so, so much of that, based on situational, right? Like all of the situations that can possibly occur during a football game. Yeah. They, they're, they've already mapped out what they're going to do so that they don't have to make that decision in the heat of the moment where all of these different elements might cloud their judgment. So let's, I want to go there next. What is the conversation then around gut feel? In the moment, what you and I talk about all the time about those decisions in the moment and how they come across or how they're made and the percentage value you should ascribe to them. There is a decision during the game. How does this play into that? And 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 do you think that, I don't want to say it, I don't want to like giving too much credence to analytics or whatever, but like, how does it all fit, do you think, knowing that they're dipping more into in-house analytics? Yeah, I, th I think I think that the question becomes finding the balance between the the catchphrases paralysis by analysis. Yeah, right. Is you you have so much data to work with. You have so the picture is so broad that you can see all of these different angles and consider chess moves seven moves ahead, right? And that that dominates your thinking so much that you lose sight of, hey, what what's happening right here, right now in this yeah. situation? Or you forget to call a timeout or whatever. Something like 100%. that. Yeah. 100%. I mean, but but it's it's that's why you also have and I, I think that specific to James Franklin, given how he talks, it's hard for us to sit here and really know what the dynamic is between Franklin and his assistant coaches during a game. Yeah. But he, he's talked frequently about how much input he takes from his defensive coordinator, his offense coordinator, and his special teams coordinator. I mean, they, they yeah. talk about decisions as they're happening in the game. Um, but no, I, I, I think that it's it's the the more data you have to work with, the more angles that you can see you at least give yourself the option to consider those things. Yeah. And right. Like, I mean, I, I just don't think that there's any question that how he has presented his MO over the years, over eight seasons at Penn state. And obviously the three before at Vanderbilt is that he, he likes that. Like yeah. he, he likes to have a mountain of data from which to choose uh, yeah. uh, what's relevant, what's not. 
yeah utilize it as you can and go from there and i think that's the point too of it makes it a clearer picture a cleaner picture if you have somebody to ask questions directly every day as opposed to you have an outside analytics firm and you get the information yep. but how do you how do you handle all that information so yep. it's I, I think it's all very important, and then it all becomes noise once you talk about how it's important because everything's from Dan Connor to the defensive line assistant coach to the graduate assistants. It all matters because one factor could change everything if it's a, if it's a strong enough advantage, whatever it I is. St- I, I still <laughs> – it, it's funny because here, here I am, and I'm, I'm – in a way, I don't know if I'm advocating for it or not. I, I think that I understand it. I, I get where it's going, but I, I still am so far in the camp of players play that yeah. it, it's, you know, it, and, and maybe they are percentile differences that can be the edge that a team needs to, to get you you know, to where you want to go, obviously, which is wins. But I, I just think that so much more is dictated by the performance of players on the field, in the game, than all of these extra factors, yeah. right, that, that come yeah. into it. I, I get it. I, I get the preparation side, but... This is, it, this it, is, this is in, in no way is this anything other than a total tangent. But it kind of speaks to everything we're talking about is one thing on this show that I've talked a lot about is and this is part of my belief is if like if I were an offense coordinator, I'd run inside and outside zone. I would be a zone based offense. I see the advantages of outside zone. Uh, And I was I've been reading about uh, different things that it can do from an analytic perspective and you get more explosive plays out of those runs. And that's why, you know, to me, if you're looking for explosive runs, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to crease the defense, make them over-pursue, open up big running lanes. But the more I'm reading about it, that's all people talk about. So what's the what's the disadvantage? And the more I've watched it and the more I've seen, there are more negative plays associated with outside zone than there are with some of the safer power counter trap, things like that. And the inside zone, what Penn State runs already. Penn State's offense to me is don't lose yards on the ground and then try to pop a couple big ones so that's the the nature of the analytics there and then here's the question do you have offensive linemen that can run outside zone that can execute those blocks because you can want to run something you can understand but if you don't have players that can actually execute it to the level where you then actually crease the defense or a running back that can explode through the hole, read it correctly, and run really fast. It's all academic. So having the football side of it, having the knowledge, and then once you get that, Nate, you have to keep adapting. Yeah. Because you, you, can't, you can't just say, okay, now we run outside zone. Because everyone's going to stop that. Because the, there's no perfect system. There's no perfect thing to run. You've got to keep adapting and evolving. Or you have to out-execute and out-talent your your opponents at this particular level. In college do, specifically. Do you, uh, do you take into consideration, do you have the personnel to handle negative yardage plays? If That's, you find yourself yeah. behind the sticks, right? Like, are you a team that can overcome second and 14 second and 13 right third and 13, exactly whatever yes what have you i mean yep. if, if you if if you are running that type of a system and you understand that this is a negative byproduct 
do you have the counter move, the count, the counter punch really yep. to, to whatever the drawbacks are of what you're doing? I, I mean, it's just, there's, there's so much to consider. There's so many decisions to be made that, yeah, it, it, it all helps in concocting and crafting what your approach is going to be. Get a quarterback fixes all of those things. That's the, then that, that's what it all comes back defensive to. Ends. <laughs> defensive ends. Uh, you know, and, and it, we can get into that conversation about the analytics too and, and, and coverage and pass rush. And I think the difference you saw this year, and this is anecdotal, but goes back to a larger point, uh, even about defense is that uh, at the end of the day, when the pass is thrown, if a defensive back bats the ball down, it has the same effect of a quarterback making up for mistakes on the offensive side of the ball. The last line of defense for the offensive line is the quarterback throwing the ball away or throwing it quickly or breaking the pocket. Sometimes defensive ends just can't get to the quarterback. So having uh, Jaquan Brisker back there is so important. Having good corners and good secondary players that play well together. Um, that is such a critical part of playing great defense like elite level, next level defenses. You've got to have that component. And that's another thing where getting into the next season, I think you should still be optimistic about Penn State having a very good defense is because Kalen King is a great uh, prospect at corner who showed some good ability his freshman season and is ahead of the curve where he's playtime on the football field. And Joey Porter Jr. is going into uh, what was his third year starting or his, uh, second or third year starting? He's been around yeah, forever, third, it feels like. Yeah. yeah third, so he's going year, into being a, a potentially, his next step is being a lockdown corner. Tig Brown's back as a guy who makes a difference. And then J, uh, Jalen Reed has great talent. So three of the four are pretty, you feel pretty good about. And then Jalen yeah. Reed is a guy who fits in with a lot of talent that can do a lot of things. So, but, I mean, they've been stocking up in the secondary for a couple of years now. I mean, this yep. is, this, this is the dividend uh, of right. Like you've been investing, investing, investing. It has matured. And now, now you've got that pipeline, that gradual continual every year kind of deal where they're just, they're just pumping them out. And I mean, I expect them to be strong this year back in the secondary moving forward. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a prism to look through all these things. And I guess that's where when, when I'm coming with, I'm more optimistic about next season. You know, some of these are some of the things that backed up by the the analysis and the film study. You see some of these other metrics that's like, hey, if you're good here and you're yep. consistently good here, you're consistently good on defense. Um, what's so? Let me ask you this because this is something. Yeah, but I you still got to do. score points. <laughs> well, that's but, go ahead. Yeah, so that probably is the answer I was about to ask you is. I try to learn something new every year of, okay, all of my preconceived notions, all the things that I know are true, what is what do I still believe? What is important there? And what did I learn that maybe challenged those things? Or what did I learn about football this year? What did you learn about football in 2021? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, man. Hmm. What did I learn about? I I don't know. It A lot of times it, it doubles back to what I think I know, which is 21 points a game doesn't cut it. Yeah. Like, it, I... I have evolved somewhat, right? And like, you're the expert here. Uh, I I am watching the game more from the perspective of a fan than anything else, right? Uh, Without a rooting interest, but as a fan. And over the years, it has changed from, oh, like... uh, a big a big play happened here there and so it like like a player rose to the occasion that was always kind of the storyline <laughs> now it's broken down into hey he, he, it's just numbers it's just numbers and and metrics of yeah. you have to do this efficiently it's it's gambling almost yeah. like these are your odds these are your percentages if you do this well if you score this many points if your defense gives up not that many points or or, or fewer than what you're scoring i mean it, it obviously like it, it's 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 common sense but more often than not these things actually play out uh teams that score 63 points one week don't score 14 the next right like it's like those types of wild swings and so a, a a lot of what happened this past year for penn state held true <laughs> like they they couldn't score in the beginning of the season and then sean clifford got hurt and they also couldn't score at the end of the season it was like <laughs> yeah. it didn't it didn't change the identity yeah. of the team didn't evolve and i don't I think more often than not, it doesn't. It doesn't evolve. The 2016 team came out and had a new offensive coordinator in Joe Moorhead. And, you know, there there were some moments. Obviously, yeah. they got waxed at Michigan, and they lost the pit game. But that at-pit game, when they scored 38 points, yep. that, was, that was a eureka moment of, oh, wait, they can score. And yeah. they were coming off of a season where they couldn't. Two seasons where they couldn't. They couldn't ever get into the end zone the previous two seasons. Yep. And so when when you have that and you start to show that, that comes through more often than it doesn't. And Penn State's identity this past season was that of a team who had a pretty good defense, like really good defense, but could not score points. And if you can't score points, you're not going to win the game. Yeah. Uh, I, it's funny because I actually feel like this year I came closer to the center than I was previously. The thing I learned was I still believe everything that you just said of those things being true. And it, it the, the way you need to build your program should lean one way. But holistic football teams that are sound and whole, that have good elements everywhere, 
are the ones that win the most games, which is a basic point, but when you get so far into it and you're like, okay, we need to be explosive plays, we need to be able to throw the ball, we need to have a quarterback that can read the defense, and then at the end of the day, you're like, ah, well, the running game will be there. If it's not, and again, this is where get a quarterback because they can make some of these warts go away, and no team is perfect, but how close can you get to being complimentary football back to the thing you always believe is okay so you have to have some fundamental truths about football right the basics of you can't be all coverage you've got to have pass rush you know I not to make it about the bills again but watching Patrick Mahomes be sacked in the AFC championship game versus getting pressures in the divisional round was the difference in the game they dropped eight into coverage and made him hold on to the ball but the bills did that they just couldn't actually get that guy to the ground and the, yep. the the value of a sack, which is an obvious overt thing. Don't lose sight of that stuff. A team that can run the ball efficiently, like the Bengals did a better job of keeping the other team at bay. Penn state could not run the ball and they didn't have any avenues to score points because the quarterback could do so much to hear, but the new offense, his skills, the environment around him was a detractor instead of, a lift. So have a holistic football team that even if you're not the best at the world in the world at running, you can. Having yep. an obvious hole on your roster will always come back to bite you. So having that, I think, is what I learned about football is have your North Stars, but make sure you don't lose sight of the basics too. Very much so. I yeah. I I do, I do, and it, it still stands out to me. Um was Mike Yersich, and this was before the season. I mean, this was June, and I had an interview with him for our magazine. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like, you know, because you look at the numbers and you look at the reputation, it's, oh, man, your, your teams can pass the ball. Like, they can pass the ball successfully. They throw yeah. it, and they do it efficiently and effectively. The first thing he said was the consistent – thing about all the offenses that I've had that have been good is we've run the ball effectively. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, when I, I think that Mike Yersich has a little bit of a flair for the dramatic, uh, right. And so it's, yes, coaches want to throw you off of the scent of like, Oh, I do one thing and I do it really well. They want you to think that, yes, the, these other things are important. Yeah, But it didn't feel at the time and still doesn't as though he thought that those things deserve just lip service, right? Yeah. Like he actually believed that you, you have to be able to run the ball. But the other yeah. thing that stood out about the comments was there was almost a sense of it being a given. Like quote was like, we're Penn state. We yeah. run the ball. We yeah. run the ball effectively. Well, you can't do that just based on reputation alone. You actually yeah. have to go out and execute it, and they weren't yeah. able to do that. Oh, the blue jerseys are here. Oh, the white jerseys are here. We must give them 72 <laughs> yards rushing uh, as a baseline, and then the, the next 30 they'll get in the fourth quarter. Um, sure. And that kind of brings me back to my original point of being holistic and, and being within yourself is that I've harped on this for the last two seasons because the last two offensive coordinators for Penn State have run outside zone, and Penn State has never run it. And... I looked at the numbers at the end of the season and it was the lowest output of zone rushing according to PFF that Penn state has had, or that, that uh, Mike Yersich has had going back to when they started tracking the different types of blocking. 
So when you're evaluating Mike Yursich and you're saying they didn't score enough points, I'm not saying you, I'm saying they didn't run the ball well enough, all of these factors that are a part of it, and you're you're not giving credence or you're not giving enough uh, service to the idea that part of his playbook that has always been there, he wasn't using last year, either because there was a decision not to use it, which it seemed early in the season they were trying to, but when you go three and out and you have to punt the ball, you don't get as many running opportunities. So you don't get to mix in outside zone as much. And it became a diminished part of the thing. And if, if you're not throwing your fastball, how can you score a lot of points? And which pitchers are defense. So that was a terrible analogy, but you know what I mean? I get it. I, I I'm with you. I'm on the train. So I just, I, I know we're, we're kind of like all over the place with this particular topic, but to me, this is the stuff. This is the the fascinating stuff to think about in the offseason of where things are going, where they can go, and how analytics and how these coordinators and and how these analysts on the backside of Dan Connor, how they can all maybe lend an eye to find the path forward, too. So, okay, you can't run those. A defense is going to do this to you. So how do you counter that? What's the weakness to them compensating and having more eyes on okay so these guys can you know just the chess game how do you how do you have more guys helping you with the chess game and I think that it lands on the shoulders of the offense coordinator but you know it's 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 not a one-man show yeah it doesn't it it certainly doesn't guarantee results by any measure yeah but I I fail to see where it can hurt yeah. You know, I mean, I don't I don't see the area where it is a detractor to have more perspectives, more eyes, more brains considering and Dan Connor different aspect and Dan Connor and and Dan Connor does. Yeah, no, it, I mean, I, I tease I, I'm, I'm a fan should be excited. Yes. I, I want people to know, like, it's it's obviously a good hire. I'm just teasing because it's it's a thing. And, uh, you know, it, I, you should be excited if you're a Pense fan about one of your greats coming back as previous coaching experience. Now, part of the analyst staff, this is the natural progression of things. So I'm I mean, just there, there's, there is a there is a a small but not insignificant point to make that Ty Howell was an analyst before mm-hmm. he became Penn State's tight ends coach. And yep. so there there is a little bit of a hiring tendency there to draw from of hey once you're in the program once you are fulfilling a role like that you you become like and i have no idea i mean like sitting here right now does dan connor want to be an on-field coach i have no idea i mean obviously he was doing some at the high school level but is that something that he wants to do professionally i mean not that high school is not professionally but right to this extent right do you want to be a d1 college football coach with all the things that come with it right and all the things that come with it recruiting etc etc so no i don't i don't know but if if he does then maybe that's not long term something that would be off the table so i i who i have another thought i have a total speculation that i would love to get to but we spent a good amount of time on this and i want to talk about basketball tonight because penn state if you're watching this on tuesday uh, the last three days have bled together, but today is Tuesday because Penn State's playing today Michigan tonight. Yeah, okay, yep. so let's talk about the game coming up tonight, 9 p.m. So if you're watching this before the game, what can fans expect from Penn State-Michigan? Uh, you know, 
slop, mire, and muck. Because <laughs> that's the game they want to play, right? That's the game Penn State's going to do. Just going to yes. turn it into a uh, a day at the DMV. Just it's going to be process. You're going to have to go fill out all the forms. You're not going to score a lot of easy points. Everything's got to be up to code. Penn State on a on a 30 second shot clock. Penn State will spend 38 seconds to get it shot off. <laughs> um, I, I I I think there is a point behind my cynicism of they they have successfully dictated the pace of play in just about every game that they've played since the start of the new year, and there is. You know, look, like we know right now that there was a 22 day layoff, the, the COVID layoff. And but it, it is truly like a tale of two halves of the season. And since restarting, I ran some numbers uh, today. Penn State defensively has only allowed 63 points a game um, in regulation. Obviously, Iowa got to 86 because it went to double overtime. But uh, 63 points a game, which is best in the Big Ten, right? So, so Penn State's defense is not a one-off. Like it, yeah. it is legit. They they dictate the style of the game, the flow of the game. They are just brutal and play a half-court defense. Like it's yeah. not about high flying. They don't get steals. They are not going to trap you or press you. But they are going to play some tough as nails half-court defense. And honestly. A lot of Big Ten teams don't see that night so, in, night out. Can I ask you on the flip side of that, uh, you know, going back to our conversation of tactics and analytics versus uh, players, the players have to execute these schemes, but it seems like what you've talked about of getting 38 seconds on a 30-second shot clock on offense, some scheme and some offense, uh, some, some coaching moves have kind of invigorated what was already probably a good defense, right? Uh, Yeah, no, I mean... Uh, Micah Shrewsbury decided and announced from the get-go that his team this season would be good defensively. Mm -hmm. Like it, it was not up for negotiation that they would be stout defensively. And then what they would do, and and look, like he knows this, and I don't want to diminish the uh, obviously or criticize like the talents of the players that they have, but they're not consistent shooters, <laughs> and so they are going to search out shots. They are going to take as much time as they possibly need. When they are clicking, it's ball movement, ball movement, ball movement offensively, but they're not getting layups. They're they're driving to, right? Like yeah. when they get layups, it's because Sam Sessoms and J Jalen Pickett win a one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, but other than that, it is ball movement and searching for open shots. And then they either go in or they don't. But yeah. th there's a ton of open looks, but they they understand that slowing the game down, taking the full 30 seconds on the shot clock reduces the amount of possessions in the game. And it keeps a game that, look, if you're trying to keep pace with Michigan State up and down the floor, you have the potential to lose by 25. Right. In games that Penn State has dictated the pace, they might find themselves down and they often have down 10 points, 12 mm -hmm. points, but 12 points in today's college basketball is not insurmountable. Yeah. And so even the games that they've been behind, even the games that they've lost, 
it, it has always been within, within arm's reach. And some yep. of the games that they've won, it, they have won because they've played well late. They, they have yep. been they got somebody very, to get very hot. solid. One of their yep. streaky shooters gets hot late, and then that 12-point uh, disadvantage turns into three, and then it becomes... You know, again, going back to our it's gambling, it's math of how many possessions do you have left? How many uh, shots can you get and can you get a good look? And then it becomes much more of a thing you can do versus having to score 78 points at the get go. Yep. So what do you know? They've gone on. They've gone on runs. I mean, they've, they've done it particularly in the second half and also not just particularly in the second half, but at home. Yeah. So the, the key here for this game is. Michigan has not played well on the road. And it, it like let's not act like the, the Bryce Jordan Center is in any way some devil's palace that yeah. people just can't. Is can't it the is it the wins? void behind the basket, the shooting background that's an absolute blank void that can mess with people? Because I've wondered that looking at like I don't have any depth perception. I know I'm not a semi professional basketball player, but like that depth perception looks hard. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't want to go down that path. I'm not sure that I know. I, I just team like as as much as you might think, oh well teams just overlook Penn State because it's Penn State and it's the reputation that they're <laughs> Penn State has played well at the Bryce Jordan Center this yeah. season this season. They have shot well there, they have played well there. Opponents it just sucks the life out of you. Like there, there you are entering yeah. into a black hole of nothing. That's and so our, you've got to, it's like, it's like, uh, that's the void. I was, I was saying it's, it's a void. It's the void. If you, if you go back to some of the successful seasons that Northwestern has had in football and something that is often talked about with Northwestern football is you have to create your own energy there because there mm-hmm. aren't fans at Ryan field. Yeah. Nine o'clock game on a Tuesday night on February 8th. Uh, They were giving away tickets for $15 the other day. And, and you know, who knows, maybe, maybe people show up, but uh, I I would guess that even, and especially this is a problem that Penn state has had for years. It's the season ticket holders who don't show up. Yeah. Students show up, students are there, but the, the, the corporate seats and the things that are, are bought and mass to, to build up uh Nittany lion club points. Yeah. Those are the people that don't show up and you will notice it at yeah. nine 30 tonight. Yep. Cause it's Tuesday at nine. If you're coming from Harrisburg, you're coming from out of the, t- out of town, you're not going to be getting home at two in the morning and then going to work. It is a bit, you're of not going to be there. Are you me? No. No, I won't be there. I will. Do you want me to I'll come? I didn't get a press pass. No. So no, I didn't. No. I also didn't get a ticket. Uh, and I'm also maybe locked in my house. I still don't know at this point if I should be locked in my house or not. So a <laughs> bit of personal news there. Uh, the last the last thing is, what have you seen from Michigan? Like quick scouting report on them. Uh, no, they've, they've, uh, their offense has been fairly effective. They're, they're just an inconsistent team. I mean, they've, they've just had a heck of a year up kind of and down and, but they're scoring 72 points, 73 points and giving up, I think 70. So their, their offense is towards the higher end of the conference and their defense is toward the lower end. So it it's Penn state will have to slow them down. Penn state will have to, uh, hurt their shooters. Penn state will have to handle Hunter Dickinson, who is uh, just a massive human being, which, you know, 
makes things like fouls important on Greg Lee and John yeah. Hara. Yep. So it's it'll be it'll be an interesting game just because so many of Penn State's games this season have held the same feel and look. Like they just they haven't deviated at the Bryce Jordan Center. So because so it's at it, home, winnable, or is the talent at Michigan? Because as you mentioned some very talented players inconsistent is just going to matter about whether they hit on tonight or what do you think? Winnable, not Ken, winnable. Ken Palm has them winning. So Ken Palm has a, a 66, 65 win for Penn state. All right. Well, there you and go. If, so and if Ken Palm says so, it's probably true. He's a nice guy. Actually. Uh, I, on my previous show, we used to have him on all the time and I just emailed him one day and he's like, absolutely. Yeah. And then he remembered our, he remembered my name. He liked the show. So uh, he's a great guy. So if you want to check out Ken Palm, definitely do that. But more importantly, if you want to follow along in the game tonight, the game thread with uh, Dave Eckert and Nate Bauer, bluewhiteillustrated.com is where to go. But they what's the, are what's the deal. One, one, one last thing. Okay. They have lost one, two, three. They have lost five of their last six away games. That's that seems like Mich a trend. Mich Michigan. Yeah. So that seems like a trend. So if you want to check out how that goes down, bluewhiteillustrated.com on the message board forum, you can have live analysis and conversation with our guys in the arena. The men yeah. in the arena, Dave and Nate, because right. that's definitely what that poem's about. Sign up for one dollar. Most most of the time we talk about what we ate for dinner, so that's fine. You get that too. It's a it's a slice of life. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Sign up for just one dollar. Subscribe to Blue White Illustrated on YouTube. It'll cost you a dollar for the whole package. I promise you, it's a great deal. And of course, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. By the way, we do awesome on Apple Podcasts. I was looking the other day. So if you want to help the show out, give us a rating and review, uh, five star rating or whatever I earned that day. Uh, Don't for the say show. mean things about me. It hurts my feelings. Well, I mean, if you review anything, give any review that helps. So even if you want to say that, go for it. <laughs> we'll be back again tomorrow.